time for Dodger Baseball. Yes, I am ready to be disappointed again. This is Swing Shift. My name is Ryan Bershinger. He is Bo Benson. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Swing Shift RNB. And today we have a, a third member of Swing Shift on with us. He's been on the show in the past. Uh, he's a senior editor over at Dodger Blue. You can uh, follow a lot of his game coverage along on Twitter at by Blake Williams. If you know by the time this episode comes out, if it's still called Twitter, uh, you know if you can catch his zeets over on uh, the website with the X on it. Uh, he is Blake Williams. Uh, Blake, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, we're happy to have you on once again. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've had a, a guest on in general, uh, but now with the trade deadline coming up, uh, we figured this is a great time to uh, to talk with somebody who's in the thick of it way more than Bo and I are. I mean, obviously, like we work at Fox Sports Radio and we hang out in the edit rooms and we're you know covering sports in general. Uh, but Blake, you are actually there at the stadium uh one to two times a week typically uh you will come out and uh you're there as part of the as part of the press uh up in the press box covering the uh covering the team covering the games um how is that i know this is what your second season where you're actually like going in person to the stadium and doing all this what's this uh what's this season been like for you so far um it's been an interesting season I'd say it's kind of fallen short of expectations compared to last year. Like we all know they won 111 games and just felt like they were winning every game. And then this season they kind of tanked in the off season. Their big moves were Noah Syndergaard and Miguel Rojas basically. (laughs) So expectations are much lower now and it's just kind of a different vibe around the team. Like you don't expect them to always win as much, but they're still a good team. It's just, it's a weird season for the Dodgers, but still one that most teams would love to have. Exactly. Absolutely. I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, of course, uh, let's let's take a look back at this last week of Dodger baseball before we uh, dive into the trade deadline. Um, the Dodgers had a very strong week. They faced two teams that are in first place in their respective divisions, and they came out with four of six. And uh, Blake, like you said, like... That's the sort of takeaway that any team would love to have, really. Um, uh, the offense uh, put on some great shows, uh, a couple of those games. You know, Johnny DeLuca even hit a home run. Don't uh, look up who he hit it off of, but he hit a home run, and it was great. Um, so they, they they really laid a beat down on the Rangers, but of course, the two losses um, were kind of similar in the fact that you had the starting pitcher get uh, rocked for eight runs. Now, one of those was Emmett Sheehan, who was a young guy who... Uh, in under normal circumstances, probably wouldn't have been up with the major league club at any point this season, but has has done a good job in in his limited action. Uh, and then the other was Julio Urias. Now, of course, um, this has not been a normal season for Julio. Uh, he's got an ERA a tad over five now after the eight runs allowed, which was the most in his career for a start. Um, Blake, I, I want to throw out something here, though, and I want you to tell me if this is a, a good take or a bad one. <laughs> so, um, watching Julio, yes, he has struggled this season, and then he was injured, and he came back from the injury, and he had a couple of pretty strong starts. I was at his start against the Pirates, where he had his usual first-inning hiccups, but then settled in really nicely and, and pitched very well. And then you have this outing in Baltimore, where, yes, he got hit hard, 
But this is also, this was a day game after a night game in which the grounds crew just kind of didn't bother doing their job in Baltimore <laughs> by uh, just leaving the, the field to be exposed to overnight rain. And he's facing a first place team, a good offensive team. Am I am I in the wrong here to um, kind of write off that start a little bit and say like ah, I I know that he got rocked. Yes, he did bad, but I'm not fully ready to like just view him as five ERA Julio. I we've seen the signs that he can get back to where he was. Am I crazy for kind of writing that off a little bit? Yes and no, I'd say. All right. It's a really complicated topic with him uh. because we know he's been an ace in the past. And if this was just one start this year, I'd say like, yeah, totally write it off. It happens. But he's also struggled throughout the entire year, as you already mentioned. So when you're struggling all year, it's a lot harder to write off just one bad start now because they're just building up. And it came after he said, like, he came out and said his vacation is over now and it's yeah. time to get to work and get back on track, basically. And then he comes out and has that outing. So just the context of that makes it a little funnier, I guess. But I don't know what's going on with him. His stuff isn't as great. Yeah, all, all I he heard just... was Ryan saying, I'm wrong. So I'm going to go, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's wrong for sure. <laughs> Um, I want to believe, I think, I think there's probably a little bit of wishful thinking on my part where I'm looking at that game and going, well, you know, uh, I get it. I, I get where it's coming. But like, like you've said, no, the stuff isn't as strong as it, as it has been in the past. Um, is there, Blake, do you like the idea of a qualifying offer is now kind of getting tossed around and I, I don't know if I should actually take that seriously or not. Blake, do you like, is there a reality in which Julio does in fact take the qualifying offer at the end of the season? I don't think so at this point because the pitching market is still kind of weak after Otani in the free agency. Yeah. So I think he's still going to be one of the top arms available. Like I think Nola is a free agent, mm. but he's been struggling too and he's older so i think a desperate team is still going to be open to overpaying for him it's just giants it's hard to see him getting paid as much as he was supposed to now so it's hurt him but he's still probably not a five year hate pitcher but he's also maybe not an ace anymore which is so funny because it feels yeah. like he just came up too right like but it's been a while but yeah, yeah it's we disappointing take, we take for granted just like how young he still is like he's what he's 26 right like am i am i wrong yeah i think yeah. he turns 27 in september okay yeah that's that's insane it, it feels like he's like 35 because we've been following him <laughs> yeah. since he was a teenager um so i think given the fact that he's still so young I, I'm Scott Boris is still gonna like levy that into something. Like yeah, I, no, he's he's, still, he's gonna get a big contract. I think. Yeah. I just don't think it's gonna be from the Dodgers at this point. I would, I would, I would accept it if he took the qualifying offer. Oh yeah, that'd be super. Fine. Even like, and you know, if he does do that, it would mean that like he's literally pitching batting practice the rest of the season. <laughs> but but as long as like he's decent in the playoffs, I don't really care like how he does the rest of the season. But. Um, but yeah, there's, there's still definitely a concern there and we'll be following Julio, make sure that like he can, uh, <laughs> can come back a bit to where he was because right now, 
um, what Bobby Miller in, in essence is the best pitcher on the staff <laughs> at the moment, right? Like, like because Gershaw's hurt and Julio's yeah. not been performing well. Gonsolin still like Blake. Do you think Gonsolin will ever become a pitcher who can like throw six innings? Like, <laughs> like, like, like just in general. Like, <laughs> I don't really think so. I've been saying his best role would be in the bullpen, yeah. which isn't really a luxury the Dodgers have at this moment. Right. But maybe come postseason, that's something they could explore if they can acquire a few starting pitchers and get Kershaw healthy. Gonsolin, his he just has like two good pitches basically, and yeah. once he gets through that third time in the lineup, it's just yeah not ideal. And then. Dustin May is probably a reliever going forward too, so that's uh, another hole they have to fill next year. Yes, in in twenty twenty six. It's okay. Walker Bueller says he'll be back. Uh, <laughs> so, well, that I did want to ask you about that, Blake, because you were at Walker Bueller's press conference the other day, um, where he was addressing his health. So, what were kind of the takeaways from where he's at right now, and do you think that Bueller could actually be somebody who contributes? in the playoff rotation or bullpen or, or just in any manner in the postseason. So Bueller seems to think he's coming back on September 1st and it's a guarantee. Hell yeah. He's already throwing bullpens and he's sitting at like 94, which is encouraging, but Bueller was at his best when he was throwing 99. So yeah. he's still not there yet. Yeah. And then after Bueller was done talking, we asked Dave Roberts about it. And Roberts basically said, yeah, that's a really aggressive timeline, and I'm not sure I see that happening. (laughs) And I think the Dodgers are going to be cautious with him. So I don't really see him coming back and contributing all that much. Maybe he can come back as a one-inning or two-inning guy. Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't count on that. Like Last year, we saw the Dodgers keep saying, yeah, we have all these relievers coming back down the stretch, and they're going to help us out. And then pretty much all of them just stayed injured the entire year, and they didn't get any help from them. So it kind of feels like Bueller is going to be a similar case with that, but he seems to think he's coming back, so... We'll see. He word knows his to, body better than we do. Word to Daniel Hudson, man. Yeah. Absolute legend. Yeah. Is Blake Trinan still alive? Or is he just seeing the sound of freedom on repeat? <laughs> like, just... I think um, both, both is... Yeah. Both is accurate. <laughs> I think he's been buying out all the tickets for that. <laughs> I don't think he's going to he, come back this year. It's probably slim odds. He goes to Barbie and then he's immediately just, afterwards... I haven't seen him around. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he well, hasn't been in the clubhouse at all this yeah, year. He's well, busy doing some we know investigations. The answer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he got the QR code tattooed like <laughs> on the back of his arm. Um, uh, but no, really. So that that's that's the word on on Trinan is like it's hard. Is it? Can you say with any sort of confidence that we'll see him like at any point before the end of the season, or like where where are we at with Blake? I'd say it's like five percent that we see him. Jeez. They haven't really given any updates on him. And at this point, like if he's not even throwing or anything, it's concerning. That's good. So we'll see what happens. It's just they're being really quiet about him and haven't really given any news. Well, I mean, Noah Syndergaard should come back at some point, right? So I think we're doing fine. That's right? a like, threat. <laughs> you know, did did he has he he's slated to start a rehab soon, right? Noah Syndergaard, or is that am I? Yeah. I think he, he has did. been already. He yeah, did. Okay. And he's, two or three. Oh, right. Yeah. No, I did see. Yes. And he's still throwing right. like 92. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I saw him get rocked like in the yeah. first inning that he came out. Okay. Yeah. That's. I just tried to write that off then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to push that one out. Um, all right. Cool. Cool. Well, hey, 
we're all good. Um, but I did want to mention, like, in terms of we're like strictly talking about pitching, um, because that's clearly like the focus here. The offense has been fantastic, um, through and through. Uh, the middle, obviously, you know, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman being Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman is is just wonderful, and it's it's so fun. Um, Max Muncy, even though he's hitting you know 196 or whatever. Um, he still has like a higher on base than like Jason Hayward and David Peralta, who have both been very steady contributors and have been super helpful. Um, I, they, I, I, we're not focusing on offense because I think offense seems to be very, uh, very solid, which is, uh, which is nice. You know, obviously like people will focus on the fact that like Austin Barnes is legitimately the worst hitter in all of baseball, but you know, it's, it happens. It's, it's that as is such for a backup catcher, eventually this is just what they turn into. And then, you know, maybe Carlos Ruiz is available that we can bring him in and replace him. Here's the plan. We go to Oklahoma city and we extricate uh, Hunter Fiducia mm-hmm. from the uh, child slavery ring he's involved in. <laughs> Uh, and we bring him back with Blake Trinan's help. Because if I have to see Austin Barnes play one more time, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. <laughs> um, Blake, I I hate to to do this to you, but please um please explain why Austin Barnes is still on the team. Like, I don't, don't want I don't want to attack Barnes because there is an obvious like non baseball reasons as to why he's still there. But in terms of like actual baseball reasons. Um, uh, what is, what is, uh, why is he still there and not somebody like Fiducia or any of the uh, strong up and coming, uh, uh, catchers that they've got in the minors? Well, the clubhouse basically views him as the team captain. So okay. the chemistry this year seems pretty strong and I don't think they want to mess with that too much. Mm-hmm. He's a good leader for the pitching staff. He helps go over the game plans with Will Smith every day and he, he helps all the pitchers out. He's basically just another coach that sometimes happens to play. <laughs> and I think that's something you can kind of deal with when he's your backup catcher playing once or maybe twice a week at most. Yeah. And come the postseason, like ideally you're not going to see him at all and he's just going to be a backup and helping with their game planning and everything. So he has some value in that regard, but... Yeah, his offense has been pretty brutal this year. You're all going to look really stupid when he has a key, like, two RBI double in the World Series. All you Barnes haters will be (laughs) weeping uncontrollably. He would have had a home run in Baltimore if they didn't, uh, you know, move that fence back 30 feet Yeah, if they had juiced the balls in that series, for sure. (laughs) He might have had a single. Blake, serious question. Are the balls juiced right now? Is that what's going on? Because, like, the other day, like, 20 teams scored 10 runs or whatever. Like, <laughs> it seems like at the All-Star break, they did the old switcheroo again. Is that, hey, let, let's, when you go in next time, the, sometime this week, the next time you're there, just yeah, just take a couple baseballs yeah. with you and, and, and uh, yeah, compare those seams. And, uh, <laughs> Feel those balls. I, I, think, I think they're juiced, and I've heard some rumors around the clubhouse that they think they're juiced let's they're go not gonna name any names or anything <laughs> but yeah. it's been something since the games were faster with all the new rules owners weren't selling as much at the concession stand and a good way to make games longer is with more offense and that brings more fans in so you, you can kind of connect the dots there what a great yeah. sport that we all love and enjoy <laughs> where the the 
outcome is levied at the uh, hands of 74-year-old fucking investment bankers that have no actual interest in the game itself. This is awesome. It's so good. <laughs> uh, that's great. I believe it. That's uh, and then, Yeah, and then they go back <laughs> to the cool. regular balls in the playoffs, and we all get mad because the Dodgers can only score three runs in nine innings. Yeah. I yeah. love it. That's great. Um, okay, well, you know, again, it's not Julio's fault. They, they juice the balls on him. They, they, he's all right. Uh, uh, so, I, I, yes, we've been focusing on pitching. And with the trade trade deadline just like a week away now, um, let's dive into what we think the Dodgers will do and, and what we think is going to happen. Um, obviously, people are clamoring for pitching, and as they should be, but it should be mentioned that the Dodgers' bullpen has been like the best bullpen in baseball over the last month, um, which has been uh, a very nice change. <laughs> and and certainly everybody is going to claim that the bullpen is awful again if they allow like three runs uh, at some point against Toronto. But um, uh, Blake, who who do you think the bullpen's turnaround, like how do you how do you uh, pinpoint uh, what happened with the pen here, and who's been the the biggest contributors over the last month that have helped this pen uh, uh, really completely do a one eighty? Yeah, I think the two big ones have been Yancy Almonte and Alex Vesia. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were key contributors last year and struggled to begin the year, and now they've kind of got back on track, and it's helped stabilize the bullpen. And then also you have to mention Ryan Brazier coming out of nowhere after he was DFA'd from the Red Sox, Mm -hmm. and he's been very solid with the team. So I think those three guys have been huge in helping the bullpen, but specifically Vesia and Almonte because they've been more high-leverage guys. Yeah. Almonte's no. been fantastic. As I mentioned last time, I think Yancy Almonte pitches in every single game, uh, and, <laughs> and and it's it's working now. So you know what? Keep rolling him out there. And and Brazier being uh, the uh, surprise pickup that was going to happen at some point, right? The Dodgers were going to get one guy who would just suddenly uh, either revive their career or like turn their career into something, uh, because you know such as bullpens and such as life. So <laughs> hell yeah. Um, and now they're just going to add Kenley Jansen back into the mix. Let's go, right. dude. <laughs> um, Getting the band back together. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so really I realist- still think they need to add a reliever. It's just... Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So what kind of names are are you looking at? And what, I don't know if, you, if you've heard anything in terms of, like, guys that the team might be targeting. We know that, like, the White Sox have a lot of good pieces out there. Um, it came out today that the Pirates will listen on offers for David Bednar, um, but, again, that's a more expensive piece. Um, uh, what What do you think, Blake, kind of uh, in terms of acquiring a reliever, what do you think that's going to look like for the Dodgers? It's probably going to be a rental, and it should be a high-leverage guy. Mm. I think the names to keep an eye on are going to be David Robertson with the Mets, Mm. Jordan Hicks with the Cardinals, and Kendall Graveman with the White Sox. And now that I say those names, they're going to go acquire some guy no one's ever heard of from (laughs) the A's or something. But (laughs) I think those are the three big relievers that are kind of the main targets for teams right now for back-end high-leverage guys. And they're all rentals, so they probably wouldn't be too expensive, but they could make an impact in the bullpen. Mm. I like it all, you know. I, I I'm I'm all for it. There, it, I I wouldn't be surprised if yeah, they're gonna end up with like a, a Chris Martin type, 
where somebody who has had success in the past maybe on paper doesn't look like they're having as good of a season, but when you dive in the peripherals, there's stuff there, and uh, and suddenly they're going to have a very strong second half. Um, I, I Graveman is a guy I like a lot. Um, I, I think, uh, I, again, yeah, with the White Sox, there's a lot of potential there with even, you know, former friend Joe Kelly um, or uh, Ronaldo Lopez or uh, there there's a lot of options there. Ben Nahr, I think, will be too expensive um that would cost at least one i would imagine at least one top 100 prospect because he's controllable like through 26 27 oh jesus yeah yeah Yeah, no that'd be very expensive what about uh josh Hader or uh blake snell Uh, apparently the Padres seem to not want to sell. That's awesome. Ah, why would you? You're you're so close. <laughs> this is this yeah. is their window. Yeah. No. When you are in fourth place. There's there's one name that I have my eye on. Um he's hitting 319, 14 home runs, 44 RBIs, an OPS of 918. That's right, folks. We're bringing back Cody Bellinger. <laughs> he's uh definitely going to turn it around with the Dodgers. Um, and you know, the last five years mean nothing. The one half season with the Cubs, that's what you got to bank on. He's totally back everybody. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, if they, if they didn't need a right-handed outfielder, <laughs> I would totally be on board with bringing Bellinger oh, back, man. but they definitely they need they to add a right-handed bat for I, the outfield to platoon with Hayward and Peralta. Can I, t- I, I saw the Kike rumors and I would totally be down with that. I know he's not doing the best, but. I miss that guy. Yeah, I mean, if you're just kind of replacing yeah, Yanni I mean, Hernandez, like hey, then exactly. then then why not? He's yeah, offensively he's, he's and defensively all around he's not been as good this year, but um, but he would have a lot of fun Ooh. and he would pick it back up. Uh, the Dodgers could pick up Ruf- Rugnet Odor. Is that how you say his name? <laughs> he uh, he was released by the Padres, and if the Padres are cutting yeah. guys, well, that just means there's too many good players on their roster. Uh, so certainly. Um, but uh, to revisit the the pitching market, um, Blake, what is it? Because we've heard the rumors with like Lucas Giolito. If we're looking at starting pitching now, because I think you know, also of course the the best way to address a bullpen is by adding starters that can go deeper in games and they're a little more reliable. Um, Lucas Giolito feels like a, a pretty reliable arm. Um, what do you think uh, would happen in terms of the starting pitching market with the Dodgers? They need to probably add two or even three starters, which is yeah. tough because yeah. usually when they're in the market for a starter, they're looking for a top of the rotation guy. But this year, they don't really have anyone in the rotation they can trust. Like, <laughs> Outside of Kershaw, who's injured and just got his rehab pushed back, like they don't really have any set options in the bull or the rotation that you trust. So they need to be aggressive. And I think it's a bad year to be aggressive because there's no real ace available. Yeah. Like it might have been Shane Bieber, but he's hurt. So he probably won't get traded. And. Blake Snell probably isn't getting traded because the Padres are delusional. <laughs> so you're looking at like Lucas Giolito, Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery as some of the top arms available. And it's just, 
there's not a whole lot of great options there for them to target. Wow. Breaking news. Blake Williams doesn't think Shohei Otani is a top arm on the market. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't think the Padres yeah. would even entertain trading Blake Snell to the Dodgers anyway. No, nah, no. Nah. There's, there's no way they would do that. The uh, The expanded playoffs kind of ruined the whole idea of a buyer's and seller's market, in my opinion. Like, there's just too many teams that are going to make the playoffs now. Everybody yeah. that's – everybody – like – the Padres think they're going to be buyers because, like, they're not. They again, I still think that team could go on a hot streak, get back to five hundred, and then all of a sudden they find themselves in the thick of the playoff race. Like, it's possible. So I totally understand why they're convinced they don't have to sell. But like, there's just it's just there's no distinction anymore. Yeah. Like, what the Cardinals are the only team that are in the distinct position where, like, okay, we need to sell guys. Like, other than that, like everybody else is like. The Cubs are three games under five hundred. Like, there's no need for them to trade Marcus Stroman. They don't have to. So, uh, once again, Rob Manfred has ruined it all. <laughs> I think the Dodgers should like make a run at Marcus Stroman because uh, you bring him in, it'll certainly get Blake trying him back to the team because those guys <laughs> love each other. Yeah, he would be a pretty good fit in the clubhouse with. Trident and JD Martinez and probably a few other guys oh, in there. But that's also one of the reasons I don't really consider Str- Stroman to be an option that I want. So. Um, but speaking of that kind of, um, I've I've always really liked Jack Flaherty, and um, I know he hasn't been good in a while, but I still he is my like I can fix him guy in 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 the majors right like he's i look at him and i'm like the dodgers could fix him like the he they they could they could bring that man back like like i i would love for the dodgers to trade for jack Flaherty because i i legitimately believe that they could uh they could revive that dude's career well yeah i don't know too much about his struggles but he has passive success so maybe it's possible and with prior like who knows get him in the lab didn't yeah, we'll didn't see. we find out the cardinals were like just teaching pitch, pitching wrong entirely throughout oh, their yeah. system yeah so like it's possible yeah yeah exactly bring jack flaherty over and tell him hey actually strikeouts are good <laughs> so um uh give that a shot again and then and and just just you wait just you see. we can get both flaherty and lucas giolito and just have a full on Harvard Westlake, uh, yeah, uh, right. uh, full starting rotation, and and get you know, Max Fried on over, and then <laughs> and we're set. <laughs> Gold. Oh man. Um. Uh. But okay. So Bo mentioned Cody Bellinger, and yes, the thing is, is that the Dodgers have said that they adding a right-handed outfielder would be nice, and then they then they added Jake Marisnik and all was solved. Um. And, and, then, and, then, and then he died. And then in in perfect like random uh dodger acquisition fashion he either um became a a stellar second half component to the team or played two games and was never seen again and that's what we got from jake marisnik we will never see him again but it's all good right blake because trace thompson is on his rehab and so uh so that right-handed bat is coming right like we're 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 all everything's good we we, because trace thompson who famously hits left-handers really well uh will will come on back to the team what what other kind of right-handed hitting outfield options are there and are they looking for because uh, hayward and peralta playing well has in essence forced mookie to the the infield um 
So what kind of like platoon guys are there? Because you're not necessarily looking for like an everyday middle of the order bat. You're just looking for a good complementary outfield piece. What what kind of right-handed hitting outfield options are there for for the Dodgers? Yeah, so s- starting with the Cardinals, they have um, Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill. Both are available. The Cardinals have too many outfielders. They need to move one. There's a piece of, a piece in the Athletic where. Fabian Ardai, the Dodgers beat reporter there, and Katie Wu, the Cardinals beat reporter. They're like a Michael Grove for Tyler O'Neill trade. And to me, like I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. So I feel like that wouldn't happen. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that they both kind of landed on that. Hell yeah. So the Cardinals need pitching. The Dodgers need an outfielder. The Dodgers have a lot of like close to major league ready pitching prospects. So seems like a good fit there. Okay. And then the other options you could be looking for are like, Tommy Pham with the Mets mm. and Lane Thomas with the Nationals, I think are the two other big ones that come to mind. So they have some options there. And luckily, I don't think a ton of teams are going to be looking specifically for a right field or right handed outfield platoon bat. So, okay. yeah, no, I would do the I, Michael Grove does deserve. He has pitched rather well in his last few outings. I, I, I really like the fact that Grove has, has actually been a pretty solid contributor to the rotation over the last month. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'd ship him off for Tyler O'Neill in a second. Like I, that, that'd be so nice. Um, uh, what was the other, uh, thing I was going to mention there? Well, with sticking with the Cardinals for a second, um, is there, is there a real possibility that they move Nolan Arenado and that the Dodgers are in on that? No, I don't think so. Cause the Cardinals, they have a good core and they're probably closer than their record indicates. So if you just kind of retool for next year, you can still build around Goldschmidt and Arenado and Jordan Walker and Nolan Gorman, and you're in a good spot there. So I think they just want to kind of move their expiring contracts and get some pieces focused on next season. Hmm. That's too bad. <laughs> That's shit. Nolan's going to go down in history as that guy that always wanted to be a Dodger, just never happened. Never. Um, which is truly sad. Yeah. Well, they um, can't. Maybe they tried. It, it's it, We appreciate the sentiment, Nolan. We, we know. <laughs> but hey, you, you signed up for that. It's, so it's, uh, it's weird. I feel like I kind of exist in the space between, like, Blake and everybody else, like, I don't think they should do any big blockbuster trades. Mm-hmm. Like unless no like if Nolan Arenado's available and they can somehow get him for like Tony Gonsolin and one prospect, I'd do that. But mm-hmm. I'm not gonna break open the bank for anybody this year. I'm gonna rather I'd rather just like build around the fringe and see what happens. That's all they gotta do. Like they have Mookie and Freddie. Like just fucking how about those guys just show up in the postseason and yeah. it it's fine, but yeah. it's it's interesting. I I agree. I mean, I think that what we're going to end up seeing at the deadline is going to be uh, maybe a couple mid-tier moves, yeah. at least one starter and at least one reliever, um, and then a platoon. You know, it's uh, Tommy Pham does make a lot of sense. Um, and and uh, Max Scherzer. <laughs> and Scherzer and Verlander. Scherzer, yeah, get those guys. Um, uh, but, I mean, like, because even, even, like, like Blake, you mentioned Lane Thomas. Like I feel like the Nationals would make Lane Thomas like unnecessarily expensive, right? <laughs> like, like, like that that feels like a move where I really like Lane Thomas this year. He's playing incredibly well, um, but 
that that feels like a you know a franchise who they've got nothing. Why not you know try to get like multiple top one hundred guys for literally Lane Thomas? Like like that's that that feels like a sort of thing that would happen there. Um, but yeah, I think that what we'll end up seeing is just kind of a couple decent moves, and um, people are gonna you know pull out the standard like they're gonna get angry and claim that it's bargain bin hunting when it's literally the way that Friedman has always operated, um, and has found a lot of uh, worthwhile value out of like smaller moves like this. So. I think that is what is ultimately going to end up happening. Um, there is the part of me that is afraid that they literally don't do like anything and then kind of write off the guys returning from injury as, Hey, this is kind of like a trade. Right. And, uh, you know, not, not really, but you know, thanks. Um, but I, I, I think especially with the way that the starting rotation is right now, like we haven't seen this in so long where the rotation has had to dip so heavily into the minors because of injuries. Um, that they have to acquire at least one starting pitcher who is going to not necessarily be a difference maker in the rotation, but somebody who's going to be reliable, like fucking Lance Lynn, okay? <laughs> like, like, like what I'm describing right now is Lance Lynn, and uh, that wouldn't surprise me, but I, also, I, I wouldn't be upset over Lance Lynn. It would just be like, oh, it's literally Lance Lynn. I, I think, like, looking back on the season, however it ends, we're all going to, like, have a good chuckle at the fact that they had to call up Emmett Sheehan from AA yeah. to pitch games. Yeah. Like, that's insane. Blake, at what degree? Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, <laughs> like at what degree do you think that the Dodgers will legitimately be be buying at the deadline? I think they're absolutely going to, because if you look ahead to their forty man roster in the upcoming seasons, they're going to have a roster crunch, so they need to move out some people. I just think, from my view, I would prioritize guys who aren't rentals, mm-hmm. because, like I said earlier, they kind of tanked this off season. And they weren't really like focusing on this year a ton. Their focus is kind of next year already with Otani as a free agent and kind of building around that. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to say like, yeah, go out and fix the problems now when players are more expensive. But you do have a lot of prospects you're going to have to trade away. Like Eddie Leonard and Yorbeet Vivas probably uh-huh. aren't going to be Dodgers long term, <laughs> but they're taking up spots on the forty man. You're going to have some more good prospects you need to add on. Mm-hmm. So they need to make moves. They're probably going to end up getting rentals because it's going to be cheaper, but it wouldn't shock me if they come out of nowhere and make one of those trades where they end up getting an Alex Wood type and no one expected that to happen, but right. they traded, what was it? Hector Oliveira and some guys and got <laughs> yeah. Wood and a few other players. Like I feel like moves like that kind of make sense where it can help the team this year, but also focused on next year too. Okay, yeah, I was literally about to ask you if Eddie's, Eddie's Leonard is still uh, existing. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that dude is, in fact, on the 40-man. Um, Eddie's, Eddie's Leonard and Yorbeet Vivas will enjoy Anaheim, I can promise you that. <laughs> Let's have that prerequisite discussion, right? Like, like, so, Blake, of course, Blake is the senior editor for Dodger Blue. You also run um, Angels Nation, correct? Like, or what? <sighs> yeah, I'm the managing editor there. Okay, great. Um, so let's have the Shohei Otani discussion then. Um, so what, in, from, uh, from the sense that you get with what's going on with the Angels, um, is Otani going anywhere prior to the end of the season? 
I don't think so. The Angels are only four and a half games out right now of a wild card spot, I believe. Even though their playoff odds are like ten percent, I just it's such a hard move to trade Otani. Like you're never gonna get back enough of a return. You're gonna make your fans hate you. You're gonna lose out on ticket sales. And I kind of just have the feeling Artie Moreno is not going to want to do that, even though it might be the smart thing for their future to get all the prospects they can for him. Because the general sense around baseball is there's no chance he's resigning in Anaheim. Uh So it's just such a tough spot for them. Like they started playing well recently too, even without Mike Trout and Brandon Drury's hurt and Gio Urshela's hurt. Mm. They have a lot of key guys out, but they've been winning and they kind of push themselves back into the fringe of the playoff mix. So at this point, it's hard for them to sell. But if they start losing coming up to the trade deadline, maybe it kind of changes their minds there and they see what they can get. I just, but I, I it's don't. just, it's such a tough move. I don't think there's a correct answer to trading him because mm-hmm. you have to think about your future. But also, like, if you trade Otani and you never make the playoffs with Otani and Trout on your roster, like everyone's just going to view you as a joke and it's going to be a little harder to convince people to come yeah. there and get fans in the building. And yeah. it's, a, it's a tough spot. I just don't think there's anybody that can realistically give up enough that would be willing to do so to get Otani for half a season. And I think the only team that has enough to give up that would do it because they know they have a better chance to keep him for more than half a season is the Dodgers and Artie Moreno would sooner die and spend eternity in hell than send Ohtani to the Dodgers. So it's really such a made-up topic to me. Like, they're not going to do it. There's just no feasible way to do it. You just can't. Yeah, I I agree with that generally. There was a report saying that they don't, like, rule out the Dodgers as a trade partner, but I feel like that's just because you can't let other teams know that you're yeah, yeah. It's not, not willing happen. to trade with your best trade partner. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um. Blake, I have okay. We Bo and I talked about this on our last episode, where like it's just it's just so hard to ignore the fact that Otani signing with the Dodgers in the offseason makes way too much sense. Um, is that is that wishful thinking, or is it in fact the most logical and let's say it most likely possibility for what happens with Otani? From everything we know, I think it's the most likely and probable outcome. Mm. But Otani seems to do things differently than like most people expect, like signing with the Angels to begin with. Right. And David Vesey was talking about this before. Like Chris Martin, who played with Otani in Japan, was saying he has his whole career mapped out already <laughs> and he's kind of just executing that plan. So we'll see like what Otani's thinking. I mean, obviously it's his choice, but there's probably only a few teams that can actually afford him and that he'd be willing to go to to begin with. Yeah. But it's just weird. I've never seen the entire industry mention a single team for a guy as much as the, the, all the guy, everybody mentions Otani and the Dodgers. Like everybody, Rosenthal has been banging that drum forever. Passon's been banging it. Uh, Our very good friend, JP Morosi, he started to come around on that too. It's it's weird. I don't know. I tend to think that the industry, when they're saying stuff like that, they tend to know things more mm-hmm. than us common folk do. Um, I I have his destinations as the Dodgers, the Mariners, and the Giants mm-hmm. in that order right now. Um, 
the Mariners are Mariners are very interesting, like Otani suitor to me. That make that makes them a lot of sense as much as the Dodgers almost, but they are also in the same kind of win loss position as the Angels are. Yeah. So if he wants to win, I, I don't know if that's the best choice. Yeah, I, I I agree with those teams. I don't think you can rule out like the Red Sox or the Yankees. Mm just because they have the money and they yeah. have histories of winning. I just don't think he but wants to go it, to, onto the East Coast. Yeah. I don't get that. I, it seems I like he wants to be on the West him. Coast. Yeah. yeah. And I, I am going to rule out the Padres. I don't want to hear the Padres <laughs> as an Otani destination. Like, at some point, we all have to reckon with the fact that they money is not infinite, and they've spent about, you know, $2 billion on fucking Xander Bogarts and uh, Jake Cronenworth. So I I don't want to hear that. And I'm gonna rule out the A's. Yeah, I don't think the I don't think the A's are legit. Uh, the Golden State Warriors. Hey, they they're might. gonna have that Vegas money. That's true. That's true. They they got to put somebody oh, on that man. billboard. Otani in Vegas would that would be sick. You can't put Brent Rooker up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's his plan. That that's actually his plan. He wants to save the uh, Las Vegas A's. Come to the A's. We still have Tony Kemp. <laughs> come, come hang out with him. Um, uh, in regards to Otani, what was I going to say? Um, Blake, I want to. I have this theory, and and I want you to tell me that that it doesn't make sense, and that my fears can go away. Um, but um, why not the Braves for Otani? Like when you look at their team. They have incidentally been preparing themselves to do this, right? Like they signed Acuna and Ozzy Albies and Austin Riley to all very put a gigantic contract like Otani on the books and they're World Series favorites for the next five to ten years. Um, I understand that the one thing that probably is holding them back is because they're cheap as hell and that's why they they, they gave out those contracts. Um, but. I think that, like, my great fear is that the Braves' ownership wisens up and realizes, like, we can easily do this, and we will dominate the league if we do. Yeah, I think they're already, like, if they sign Otani, they're going to be over the tax. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's something they're going to want to do. And I don't think Otani would want to play in Atlanta also. good. I I legitimately think the the West Coast thing is real for Otani. Yeah. Like I, I I believe that. What what did uh, what did the script say? If Chris Martin saw the whole script to to Otani's career, uh, what what does it say next? <laughs> what, what, what was he going? He's going to Vegas. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't want to ruin the script, right? Oh man, it's the best part of the movie. Like we're at, we're at the climax here. And, can't just look ahead oh damn 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 it's too bad um well well because like thinking about it like like you mentioned blake the fact that he signed with the angels originally was a surprise because if he so desperately wanted to go to seattle to follow the footsteps of his hero why didn't he just do that when he first came over I think it was about he wanted to kind of make a name for himself and kind of build up his own franchise and legacy no. rather than following the footsteps of someone. Mm -hmm. So the uh -huh. Angels, like, they didn't really have that kind of player in the past that has that legacy behind him like Ichiro does. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of where he was looking at. And 
I guess that would be my biggest concern with the Dodger part of it. But mm-hmm. now that he's kind of cemented himself, maybe it would be easier. Yeah, I know when he first came over, he wanted to DH and the Dodgers couldn't offer him that. Right. So at that point, it wasn't totally realistic, but now it is. So yeah. Yeah, I, we'll I, see. I still think he would have been a Dodger if the DH had been I think so in too. the National League at that point. And I think I just flat out believe that the Dodgers aren't going to be outbid for Otani. Yeah. Like I, I think at the end of the day, like they, because otherwise none of nothing, nothing that they've done in the last three years in the offseason makes any sense whatsoever. If they, if they don't break the bank for Otani and just basically write him a blank check, um, and if they don't, if if they get yeah. outbid for him and he goes somewhere else, uh, I, I think that starts the the clock on Andrew Friedman's tenure as GM. That seat's going to get really hot, really fast. I don't know about that one. <laughs> it'd, it'd be such a colossal failure. Like, if if they so offer bad. him the most money and he doesn't sign, there's like not really much. There's else not they can much do, they though. can do, but that also just like then you go back and it's like, well, we could have kept Corey Seager, the World Series hero, in the fold, or we could have not signed Trevor Bauer. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just it throws off their entire off-season planning for the last few years it would it would yeah. suck <laughs> like it would it would it would 100 percent uh be an incredible disappointment and uh would would be rather difficult to uh to swallow but like i do agree with blake if if they do all they can and he just chooses elsewhere like as much as that sucks, you can't you you can't say heads are gonna roll because the guy changed his mind. You know, like it's it. Watch me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, good. Yeah, maybe but, they can fire Dave if that happens. Yeah, That's there we go. Okay, I'll take that. That's a good <laughs> middle ground. Um, Blake, do you? That's that's a decent question. Like, do you feel like Dave is kind of untouchable? Like, like do you do you get the idea or get the feeling like when you are around the team that like even if they were to miss the playoffs this season, that firing Dave is like really never going to happen. Like, like do you do you get that sort of feeling in 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 the way that the team views Dave Roberts? I wouldn't say untouchable. Mm-hmm. But I think after last year's postseason disappointment, like if they didn't make a change after that, I think his job security is really, really good and probably higher than most people want to believe about him. And generally, I do think he is a good manager. Mm-hmm. I mean, his in-game management isn't always great, right. but if you look around the league and watch any other team, their managers do completely insane things all the time. <laughs> exactly. So, My- like... You can't really criticize him for that just because managing is hard and there isn't really any amazing manager who's always going to do the right thing. Yeah. yeah. But he does keep the clubhouse in check. He doesn't have any problems with players ever. Like you never hear about the Dodgers clubhouse being an issue. Like if you look at the Padres in the past, like they've had all the talent, but their clubhouse falls apart and they become a joke and that's just never happened with the Dodgers, and yeah. I think they value that a lot. My my thing with Dave Roberts is like, they could do better. Like there there's probably better managers out there, but they could also very easily do worse. Yeah. So why why rock the boat ultimately? Yeah. Unless there's just another like just boneheaded playoff collapse where like, 
they lo- like I would have fired him in 2019 when they lost to the Nationals. I would have I would I think like at that point that would have been justified. But like last year wasn't really his fault. There wasn't any boneheaded mistake. Like they just fucking blew yeah. it against the Padres. Yeah. Um I, and yeah, so like it it is what it is. At this point I think they're just too married to Dave and it's going to take something catastrophic for them to ever move on until he's ready to retire. Yeah, and you also have to consider like the moves aren't just his alone. Mm-hmm. When he's making an in-game game decision, he's working with Danny Lehman, the bench coach, or Bob Guerin previously. He's talking to Mark Pryor about the pitchers. Mm-hmm. He's going over all the data that's given to him from the front office with those guys. It's not like just his decision. It's a group effort. So when it fails, like everyone's going to point fingers at Dave, but it's also an organizational thing there when it doesn't work out or sometimes it just doesn't work out because it's baseball and things don't go as planned more often than not. Yeah. And and don't forget when Andrew Friedman calls him in the middle of games and just says, pitch count, pitch count, pitch count. (laughs) I've been told that that's, that's uh, (laughs) that really the front office is doing everything and they're calling uh, Dave in the middle and, and that, uh, um, they're they're interjecting everything. Of course, I'm kidding, but there are Dodger fans out there who 100% believe this. So I, I'm telling you all to fucking stop. Uh, <laughs> like as Blake just mentioned, yeah, there you know, Dave's going over uh, notes from the front office in terms of like numbers and stuff. But um, they, I've I've talked to people who work in sports media, Blake, that like tell me that they know for a fact that uh, Dave is just following a script that is 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 given to him at the start of the game, and he must stick to that script at all times, no matter what. Um, and I I wish that people would stop believing that. <laughs> like, there's a difference between yeah. gi- being given information and being given strict guidelines. Um, so that's that's good. Um, all right. They do have a lot of data posted around, like, oh, I've seen it in the clubhouse and the dugout and everything, <laughs> but it is not a script, I can tell you that. It's Good. just a lot of numbers and graphs. And nerds! Fun stuff fucking, like that. Nerds. Do, do you ever, um, are you ever, like, in the the visiting or the in the opposing dugout, and do you ever see kind of, like, other teams doing the same sort of stuff, basically? That's what I'm asking, like, because that 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 feels like that would be pretty protocol across the league now, right? Like to have that level of in-depth analysis and numbers that are uh, available to to the managers at any point. Yeah, it's pretty universal. Yeah. Every team's doing the same things now. Essentially, some teams are just doing it better than others. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so so. Um, so how many trash cans are we banging on to, to, <laughs> to relay the, 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 the information live to our hitters? So what's, um, we can, uh, we can kind of wrap up this, uh, this, this conversation here. Um, so yeah, I think kind of looking at the trade deadline, um, I think it is fair to assume that that moves will happen and that they will acquire guys because they always do. The Dodgers are always active at at the trade deadline, even deadlines where they're not largely active. They're still active. Um, and there's going to be moves made. Um, I, I, we've kind of touched on it's, it's mainly going to be pitching, uh, probably at a right, right right-handed bat. Um, Blake, you, uh, so you're going to be at the game tomorrow night, uh, as part of the, the press scrum there. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. At the time of this recording, this will be uh, that that'll be Tuesday night's game uh, with Toronto. Um, good, good. So, what is um how how's the how's the press box treating you nowadays? That was that was it. Uh, uh, I'm sure it's very different from your first season there in terms of just the experience and all. But how how what is it? How is the actual process of being there in person covering the games? How is that going for you? And as somebody who's grown up a lifelong Dodger fan, like, what does that feel like? Like, that's kind of surreal, right? Like, like uh, to to be able to to be doing this at this point. Uh, what's that like for you? Yeah, when I first started, it was pretty surreal. Like, I'm so basically I'm there ten to twelve hours a day for oh my God. a game. <laughs> Yeah, because we get there early, and then the clubhouse is open for an hour, and then we go to the dugout after that, and we wait for Dave to talk, and then the game, and then post-game stuff, and then like getting all the post-game stuff transcribed and put up on YouTube and everything. Mm. So it's a long day. I, I like the rule changes this year that make the games quicker. <laughs> yeah. I know that's a common take among the media, and <laughs> not as much among fans, Yeah, but I do like that. Um, one thing I don't like is the Dodgers changed their uh, press box meal cost from nine dollars last year to fifteen. Oh now. my god! So He's that's a, a first world <laughs> press problem I'm complaining about, but it's a pretty big increase for one year. Yeah, um, but it's cool overall. I mean, like every day I go in the press box and I just see like Fernando and Oral and all the guys you see on TV, Joe Davis and. So that part's crazy, and then just being in the clubhouse around every player and everything, like going on the field after that, and just kind of hanging out there watching practice and everything. Mm. I mean, it's a really cool experience. It's a lot of work on the days I'm there just because it's so long, mm. and it's not very fun in the heat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in those 100-degree days last year, we had some <laughs> press conference stuff like inside instead of in the dugout like normal, and... I have a feeling that's going to be coming up again soon, which isn't fun, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really cool. Nice. Nice. Well, that's awesome. That's, uh, I, I understand they, uh, they raised the prices of our vending machine here from, from, <laughs> from 90 cents on a soda to a dollar 10. Solidarity. And I've, I have, I have, I have boycotted the vending machine. Yeah, ever sports since media folks got to stick together. We're being price gouged. It's ridiculous because yeah. there's never any change in the machine, so you have to use exact change or use a card. And if you use a card, it's a ten cent upcharge. So now they're getting a dollar twenty for a can of soda. It's bullshit. Uh, just make it an even dollar, so I can put the damn dollar. In. It's one guy who runs this fucking thing, and he's and he's he's uh, yeah, he's not getting my money anymore. So you know, I hope he's happy. Um, well, that's good. <laughs> you're, um, you're enjoying what is the food good? Like, is it, is it standard? Like, is it the same sort of food that you can buy at the stadium as a fan? Or is it like, do they have special meals for you guys? No, they have a cafeteria with like a chef there, but oh, it's know. generally not great. Oh. Like it was fine <laughs> for $9, but now that it's 15, like I rarely ever get it now. Because it's not great. <laughs> they do give some free stuff, like drinks are free. They have like free chips and stuff, and then they put out Dodger Dogs for free in like the okay. sixth inning. Oh, there you go. So you can kind of live off that if you need it, but <laughs> usually I just go grab something from the stadium if I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. I feel that. Oh, oh man. 
All right. Well, um, Blake, thanks for joining us. Like this is a uh, this is very nice. I know Always obviously, like yeah, you're super busy covering the team. So I'm. I'm uh, it was. Uh, it was good to be able to catch up with you again. Um, and uh, we'll try to get you on again uh, uh, sometime soon. But um, we appreciate it, Blake. Uh, and enjoy this season and uh, keep having fun out there. All right. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. You got it, man. Uh, uh, Ass Life will play us out. Uh, Bo, was there anything else you wanted to say to Blake? Uh, he's he's still there. I didn't. I didn't. No, no, no. We'll we'll talk about uh, yet another edition of Star Wars Media sending us a Tatooine. <laughs> at another time i'm so sick of it it's ridiculous <laughs> oh god yeah there's there's not much time left on the zoom call please do not open the star wars door with blake yeah we got no, we, we, we'll, we'll do that offline we we don't we don't have the the uh the bandwidth to to, <laughs> to hold such a conversation um it's okay next time next time everyone um, until next time, uh, we'll see. Maybe there will be new Dodgers on the team next time uh, Bo and I talk to you. Um, and maybe uh, Noah Syndergaard will be back in the rotation and we can really, really have some fun. Uh, this is Swing Shift. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Swing Shift R&B. Or follow yeah, X. At, at X. X. Jesus Christ. Idiot. Fucking stupid. Um, uh, Blake is at by Blake Williams, but you can now, uh, Blake, Bo and Blake make up 50% of my followers on Blue Sky. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> give out, I am, I believe, Bershinger.bluesky. Um, I haven't, I haven't done anything on it, um, but I have it. Uh, and, and Blake is, is, is in the ether there as well. Um, and so maybe, yeah, by the time this, this episode comes up, uh, we're all giving out our, our exes. Um, that's weird. Yeah. That's a really weird thing to say. (sighs) Fucking asshole. Yeah. God. That guy. All right. Uh, until next time, this is Swing Shift. Have fun. Bye, everybody.